Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. Thanking you for listening today. And uh, it's Monday, the start of a brand new week. And I hope that you went to church yesterday. Hope that you heard a good message from your pastor. And I hope that you are a blessing to your church and to your pastor yesterday at church. It's always a joy to go and worship the Lord with fellow believers. I tell you what, I love going to church. I love hanging out with God's people. I love supporting one another. You know, there's five reasons reasons that you ought to be involved in church. Let me give them to you real quick at the beginning of the broadcast today. And uh, these five reasons are universal for any believer. Uh, You ought to go to church because it's a place where you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And not only are you becoming a disciple, but you're also involved in discipling others. You know what discipleship is? It's just being like Jesus. So you ought to go to church so that you can be discipled and be one who disciples others. Secondly, you ought to go to church for fellowship. And our fellowship technically only happens with believers. It is believers having a common bond that is Jesus Christ that brings us together and we hang out with each other. We fellowship with one another. We socialize with each other. Well, there's another reason you ought to go to church. Number three is for the purpose of evangelism. You know, it's at the church that most people get saved. And I'm not talking about necessarily in the church building. I'm talking about the connection that you make in relationships with people that are people of God. So evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where they find the food. Evangelism is sharing the gospel with those who don't know Jesus Christ. The church's mission is to be one that carries out the mission of evangelism. Well, we've talked about discipleship. We've talked about fellowship. We talked about evangelism. And let's talk about worship. You know, when you go to church, you worship the Lord. The great thing about going to church is every Sunday when you gather to worship, you are saying, you know what? It's not about me. I'm not here to worship myself. I'm not here to worship the pastor or the praise team or the building that we're gathering in. No, we are here to worship God. And it's not about me. As you worship together, you're saying God is God and I am not. Well, there's one final thing that is really essential for being involved in church, and it is all about serving, ministry, serving others. You know, this great opportunity that you have been given to serve others. I don't know if you realize this, but the moment that you were saved, you were given a spiritual gift, and that gift is designed for two purposes. Number one, it glorifies God. I don't care what your gifting is. Maybe you're gifting in teaching or, or you're gifted in, in, in uh, giving this uh, administration or, or you're gifted in mercy. It doesn't really matter what your gift is. Every time you use your gift, God is glorified. So I want to encourage you today to use the gift that God has given you. Be involved in your church. Be a blessing to your congregation. You'll have a great time, I promise you, and you grow to be more like Jesus Christ. Well, today, I want to talk to you on the subject of thriving through the storms, thriving through the storms, not just surviving the storms, but coming out the other side stronger, coming out the other side better. And uh, as you think about this, I want to begin with a cute little story I heard. A man was walking through the Sahara Desert, and he was desperate for water. When he saw something far off in the distance, he saw a man, and and he walked toward that man, and and here he saw a man sitting at a card table, and he had a bunch of neckties all laid out on the front of the the card table. The man asked, please, I'm dying of thirst. Can I have some water? The other man replied, well, I don't have any, any water, but why don't you buy a tie? 
Here's one that goes nice with your shirt, nice with the outfit that you have on. Other man replied, well, I don't want a tie. I need water. Okay, don't buy a tie. But to show you how nice I am, I'm going to tell you where you can find some water. You see that hill in the distance? If you go over that hill and go on the bottom side of that hill, there is a nice restaurant. If you walk up that way and you get to that restaurant and enter into that restaurant, they will give you all the water that you want. The man thanked him and he walked toward the hill and he eventually disappeared over the hill. Three hours later, the man came back, crawling to the Thai cellar. And, and the guy's sitting there behind his car table and uh, he says, man, I told you about the restaurant. Couldn't you find it? The man was raspy in his voice and he says, well, I found it all right. But they wouldn't let me in without a tie. And the man replied, well, I told you you should have bought a tie. You know what you think about problems? I want you to learn through your problems, right? God offers opportunities to teach us through our trials. You know, we may be facing a trial every single day of our lives. I discovered that you're always going to find yourself in one of three places. Number one, you're going to be right in the middle of trouble. I don't know about you, but I seem to spend a whole lot of time right there, right smack dab in the middle of trouble. Well, maybe you're not right in the middle of trouble right now, and you just came out of trouble. Well, that's the second place that you're going to find yourself, coming out of trouble. And that may be you. You say, man, I just made it through this coronavirus, and I'm just coming out of all the troubles of, of having the virus, and now I'm getting back on my feet. Well, maybe you're at the third place. That is, you're getting ready to go right into trouble. You see, you only have one of three places, right in the middle of trouble, coming out of trouble, or getting ready to go back into trouble. As we look at our world today, this world is filled with trouble. You know, as I think about our world today, we have so many opportunities to help people because they're in the middle of trouble. I was reading a story about a man in Illinois, and he woke up, and he found that it was a bat, a bat stuck on the back of his neck. And as his bat bit him, that bat had rabies. But this man declined to have the rabies vaccine. Instead, he died four months after being bitten by a bat. You know, as I think about the gospel, we have the answer to the ills of our society today. But not everybody wants to have the answer that we provide in Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean we don't tell them. We still tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, if you're a baseball fan, you know that the Milwaukee Brewers just uh, clinched their division Sunday, and their star pitcher, Devin Williams, did an amazing job, right? Uh, But unfortunately, uh, on his way home or after the game, uh, in a drunken stupor, Devin Williams punched a wall, and uh, and now he needs to go to surgery, and he'll probably miss the playoffs. You know, it seems like even when something good happens, we have a way of messing it up. I want you to know that that's just a tendency of how our lives are. Man that is born of woman is full of trouble as the sparks fly upward. You know, you think about your life today. You may feel like I am in the middle of a lot of trouble in my life. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know what to do. I need some help. Well, I want you to know God wants you to be a vessel of honor. There's an Old Testament book called the book of Ezekiel. I'm not many people spend a whole lot of time reading the book of Ezekiel, but in Ezekiel chapter 24, the Lord has warned the people of Jerusalem that the king of Babylon would lay siege on their city. God explained why they were facing such a terrible time. God says the reason that you're sitting uh, is facing these difficult times is because he uses this illustration found Ezekiel 24 verses three to five. He says, set on the pot 
set it on, pour in water also, then put in pieces of meat, all the good pieces, and the choicest one of the flock. Now here, Ezekiel is giving them how they ought to present this sacrifice unto the Lord. However, a major dilemma is taking place. The pot that they put this choicest of flock into was filled with corrosion. It ruined the food that it was cooking. Many times we are doing the same things. We are corroded pots trying to bring honor to God. Corroded pots always have this effect on everything they touch. They corrupt whatever they touch. Now, I want to encourage you today. We are crackpots. We are corroded pots. There's no doubt about it. But I want to encourage you to see the opportunity even in times of difficulty. So I want to ask you this question. Do you see difficulty in every opportunity or do you see opportunity in every difficulty? You see, there's five reasons that storms come into our lives. Number one, storms are a natural part of life, a natural part of life. But you know, there's beauty in the storms. When I think about a beautiful snowstorm, for example, now I certainly don't want to be out in uh, on the highway during a snowstorm, but if you have ever had the opportunity of seeing snow after it has fallen on the ground and just a beautiful picture that it leaves behind, trees covered with snow, the ground covered with snow, everything white, white as purity. It is a beautiful picture. And then the sun comes up and it causes that snow to glisten. It's just an amazing sight, all caused because of a storm. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 45, that he makes the sun to rise on the good and on the evil, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Here's the bottom line when it comes to storms. Storms are a natural part of life. You can't get through life without facing storms. But I want you to know, oftentimes, good comes out of storms. Scientists from the University Ocean Technology Group had discovered that there's some good things that happen as a result of storms. Dust storms, for example, can dramatically increase carbon capture and, uh, and give a great natural rich topsoil as it dumps this new carbon and this new soil on the top of the ground. It's amazing what happens. As they look at what happens during this dust storm, uh, they discover that it actually is good for the soil. You know, many times we look at our lives and we see dust storms happening in our lives and we say, what good is a storm? Well, God has a purpose behind a storm. Storms are a natural part of life. As you look at the book of Jonah, for example, Jonah is facing this unbelievable storm. The winds are raging, and the ship that he's on is going up and down and all over the place. They throw Jonah overboard, and all of a sudden, the storm stops. As you look at your life today, you are filled with trials, and you are filled with temptations, and it seems like the storms are unrelenting. But this is what the psalmist said. The psalmist informs us that not only are storms the natural part of life, but storms also help to correct us. Psalm 119, the longest psalm, uh, the longest chapter in the Bible says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Do you get what David is saying? The affliction, the storms in my life were good because they woke me up and they taught me God's decrees. 
Uh, those of you who are listening to me know that I spent a lot of time in the prison, uh, not as an inmate, but as the chaplain. And, you know, we have the guys there gathered, and we haven't been gathered for a while. Uh, we're getting ready to go back in uh, and have worship services once again. Uh, we haven't had a worship service, a live worship service, for over a year and a half because of the uh, COVID uh, virus. But I want you to know we're getting back together. One of the things that I've noticed with storms, right? I tell the guys often, I love the story of Jonah. Uh, Jonah is one of my favorite Bible characters. I guess the reason I like Jonah is because he he lives his life in such a transparent and a, in a raw way, right? I mean, he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew that God was going to be gracious to those Ninevites. And he says, I'm not going to go there because I think they ought to, they ought to face God's judgment. He didn't want them to repent. He thought they deserved the judgment of God. And he knew that God was gracious. And he knew that if he went there and gave them the plan of salvation, that they would repent and God would would relent and God would not destroy them. Well, Jonah didn't want that to happen. You know, also I love Jonah because even when God provides him that, God provided him that goad, right? Or that plant rather that gave him that shade. And then he got mad at that because it died. Really raw and really real is how Jonah lived his life. Well, if Jonah had never been in that storm, never been thrown overboard, never been caught up by that great fish, God could have never used him, he would have died. You know, sometimes a storm will actually rescue us, and that seems backwards, right? Because a storm will bring us to the attention that something is wrong in our lives. I was talking to a guy not too long ago, and he says, you know, I was in a minor accident. I went to the doctor, and they took some x-rays, and they said they found another problem as they took some x-rays, a problem that I was unaware of that they were able to correct, and they were able to correct it quickly because they found it quickly. I want you to know, sometimes bad things happen to us to awaken us so that God can correct us. You know, some people change their ways when they see the light. Most of us, however, don't change our ways until we feel the heat. I want you to know that God uses storms to correct you, to direct you, and sometimes God's got to put that fire under us to get us moving. Now, the problem often is that as we go in this new direction, uh, we have new opportunities, and sometimes we are driven by fear. Let me ask you a question. You're facing a storm right now. I don't know what kind of storm it is. Is God trying to get your attention. You see, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. That's what Solomon said in Proverbs 20, verse 30. Yeah, sometimes it takes that painful situation to make us change our ways. Well, we've learned a couple things about storms today. We've learned that storms are just a natural part of life. Expect it to happen. Don't be uh, caught off guard. Storms are going to happen. Listen, we live in the Hampton Roads area. Uh, we are now in hurricane season, and we've been very blessed, right? We, we haven't had any hurricanes yet this season, uh, but the season's not over, guys. Who knows what's going to happen? Be ready for the storm. Expect God to use these storms to correct us, to put us in a new direction. And then number three, as we think about storms, storms also help us to change. James put it this way, James chapter one. Consider it, he said, pure joy, that's unadulterated joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. All right, there's a change, right? 
the trials that you face, the storms that you face, they change us from being people that give up too easily to people of persistence. That is how our faith is tried. That is how our faith is made stronger. In Psalm 119, verses 71 and 72, David said, my troubles turned out all for the best. And this is Eugene Patterson's uh, expression of this uh, message translation. He says, they forced me to learn from your textbook. Truth from your mouth means more to me than striking it rich in a gold mine. Now, don't you love how this is written? Trouble turned out all for the best. Now, if you look at problems from this angle, that God is using this storm to change you. Now, you don't need a plan. You need the great I am. You need him to step in and say, okay, Lord, you've got my attention. In Mark chapter 6, we see uh, as Jesus is walking across the lake, they thought it was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. And then he spoke to them. And what did he say to them? In the middle of the storm, you know, when, he, when the storm happens, things always appear worse than they really are. And sometimes our eyes play tricks on us. But as they're looking out the Sea of Galilee, they see what appears to be a ghost, but it's Jesus. And Jesus speaks to them. And this is what he says to them. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Listen, if Jesus is with you in this storm, he wants to change you. He wants to change you from a coward to a Christ follower. He wants to allow you to be filled with courage because he is there. The great I am is with you in the middle of that storm. Now, I don't know about you, but I find so much comfort in that. You know, as I get older, one of the things that I have have noticed, I think I used to know all the answers to all the questions. Uh, You just asked me anything. I knew what to do. I knew when to do it. I knew how to do it. And I could give you three points on how you could do it. As I've gotten older, something has has radically happened to my way of thinking. You know, as I've gotten older, I've discovered something. Not only do I not know all the answers, I don't even know what all the questions are anymore. I am living my life fully dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the great I am. Sometimes people come to me and say, well, what should we do about this coronavirus? I don't know what we ought to do about the coronavirus. I know we ought to trust the great I am. Uh, What about all that is happening with the indoctrination in our public schools? What should we do about that? I know we should trust the great I am. I know there's certain things you ought to do. You ought to get up and you ought to go to church. You ought to read your Bible every day because reading your Bible every day, uh, you'll grow, right? Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. If you neglect your Bible, you're going to shrink, shrink, shrink. There was a little song that we used to sing as kids uh, talking about how we grow. But how many of you have spent time today reading God's Word? I was driving back from Connecticut, and I got thinking about this. I said, you know, um, I do a lot of sermon preparation. I teach, I lead a Bible study here and there, and and I spend a lot of time putting lessons together. But I said, you know, sometimes I don't spend enough time just reading God's Word, just to learn from the Savior, just to sit at Jesus's feet. You know, I think the Lord just loves it when we just sit with our Bible open and our hearts open and our minds open. I think He just is overwhelmed with joy to have that relationship with us. I've discovered in the middle of the storms, that is often where God speaks to me the most. Well, we talked about three ways in which God speaks to us and three reasons that God gives us storms. Storms are a natural part of life. 
Storms help to correct us. Storms help to change us. And then number four, storms help to connect us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Now this is great, right? Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in Christ too. Now, sometimes a storm is going to come into your life, and God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to run to the family of God. And because of the family of God, you have other believers, brothers and sisters of Christ, who have been through a similar storm that you're going through. And they can offer comfort, advice, support, because they received help in their time of affliction, and now they're going to pass that on to you. Listen, when God gives you insight, pass it on. Don't hoard it. Share it. As you go through storms in your life, God wants these storms to connect us. You know, I've seen my church family come around and support uh, me and my family in a very special way over the last month or so. I've got my son who's just coming home from Connecticut. I spent 30 days in a hospital up in, in New Britain, Connecticut, and, uh, and just the love and the support uh, that was given to us as we drove back and forth every week uh, to Connecticut and carrying on our duties and all that was going on, uh, just the love of our church was just overwhelming. They comforted us in our times of suffering. Listen, if you've been comforted in your time of suffering, don't be a hoarder of that blessing. Pass it on. Now, this is where I think a lot of times we get ourselves into trouble. We receive a blessing, and then we leave, right? We take off. I remember one time a, a lady came to our church, and, and she, was, she was jacked up. Now, when I say she's messed up, uh, she was messed up all areas of her lives. And, and so we spent about two years uh, really doing intensive spiritual counseling with her and investing in her and, uh, and helping her. And uh, she was involved in, in one of our ministries that helps people uh, get over their habits and their hurts. And, and, and after about two years, uh, she was really showing some signs of improvement. She was getting stable uh, spiritually and emotionally. And I remember at the end of that two years, she came to me and said, well, well, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. I'm like, you're leaving the church? Uh, you finally have gotten to the point where you got any some use for the church, uh, that you can be a blessing to the church. She says, well, I came here broken, and, and, and y'all fixed me up, and now I think it's time for me to move on. I said, I just cannot believe it. Can you think about that? How could we be so selfish, right? I, I want you to know that when God blesses you through a storm, he wants you to bless somebody else, not to bail on somebody else, but to bless somebody else. Well, we've learned a whole lot about storms today. We've learned they're a natural part of life. We've learned that storms help to correct us, to change us, to connect us. And now storms help us to be conformed, to help us to be conformed to Christ. Look at how Paul put it in Romans chapter 5. He says, we can rejoice when we run into problems. Oh, that's a great blessing, isn't it? Problems come my way, I'm going to rejoice. Why? Because they help us to learn to be patient and patience develop strength of character in us and helps us to trust God more each time we use it. And finally, our hope and our faith are strong and they are steady. You know that little phrase, into each life, some rain must fall. 
Well, if you've been experiencing a deluge of water, a lot of rain in your, in your life, I've observed that trials often come in, in numbers, right? They don't just come one at a time. Uh, they come numerous at one time. But people of faith know how to handle trouble. They expect it. They prepare for it. They're not thrown off and blown away off, the, uh, off course because of storms. Just this week, I've had somebody tell me I have cancer. Uh, just week, this week, I had somebody says my husband lost his job. Uh, just this week, I had somebody tell me I'm desperately overwhelmed. My life is full of good things, but I can't seem to enjoy them. This this week, I heard somebody say uh, to me, well, my son needs therapy and he's struggling to adjust in school. Listen, these are all storms that could come our way. If you want to thrive in the storm, I want to encourage you to join me tomorrow. Same time, 4.30 to 5 o'clock on this station. And I'm going to give you some ways that you can thrive in the middle of a storm. You see, a storm doesn't have to derail you. A storm doesn't have to blow you off course. A storm doesn't have to lead you to go uh, and have a nervous breakdown. No, a storm can actually be used to allow you to thrive in your relationship with Christ and with each other. So join me tomorrow as we look at part two uh, of how God uses storms in our lives to conform us to be more like Him. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm so glad that you joined us. I'm praying for you. Be safe out there as you're driving home. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.